Good evening, everyone. I'm broadcasting live. April 1st. Today's quote, interestingly enough, isn't a Buddha Vachana. It isn't even Isn't even Arya Savaka Vachana? I don't think. Can't remember now. Pasenadi, it's the words of Pasenadi. King Pasenadi Kosara. Pasenadi was a king. Right, he's, uh, he's the Anagata Vangsa says that he is a bodhisattva and he will be the fourth future Buddha from now. So uh, he wasn't even enlightened. These are his words. But how they can stand is once he said them, the Buddha reaffirmed the, the king's words. Anyway, they're, they're spot on and they're worth repeating. Um, but we also have the Buddha's response to him, which is maybe of interest. So we'll look at the verses that the Buddha used to respond to Pasenadi. So what Pasenadi basically says is <clears throat> he was wondering while he was sitting while I was in seclusion. Uh, who treat themselves as dear and who treat themselves as a foe? Of whom, for whom, are... Pio atta. Don't quite get it. Anyway, it's something like whose self is whose self is dear. For whom is the self dear? I don't quite get no case on case on. For whom is but it's a question. For whom is the self dear? For whom is the self not dear? I guess it's just plural because, yeah. For which people are the self, is the self, it's a singular, is the self dear? For which people is the self not dear? Oneself. Who treats their self? That's how it's translated, right? Who treats themselves well? Because you can say everyone holds themselves dear, right? Everyone cares about themselves. But he thought to himself, even if some people say, Bio no atta, our self is dear. Atoko desang apio atta. Still, to them the self is not dear. 
Tangisahitu, what is the cause? Yanni apiyo apiyasa karaya. What a, a person who is the opposite of dear, undear, not dear, might do to someone who is another person who they're not dear towards. They're not uh, kind, kindly disposed towards. So an enemy might do to an enemy. Tangte atanava atano karun. Some people, uh, sorry, they do that to themselves. What an enemy might do to an enemy, some people do that to themselves. They themselves do it to themselves. What this means is people who do, who have evil thoughts, is what he says. Uh, who have evil, evil deeds who do evil deeds, who say evil things, and who have evil thoughts. Charanti means they, they do where they act. Ducharitang, uh, they act in a poor way, in an evil way. Kayena, with body. Wajaya, with speech. Manasa, with the mind. So again, these are the three doors. Everything good that we do, everything evil that we do, we do through these doors. Everything that we do, it's either through body, speech, or thought. But of interest is the ethical and unethical deeds. And so the important uh, point here is that someone who does bad deeds, uh, well, the important point here is, is how Buddhist ethics works. That uh, it's not because someone says it's bad. It's not because, it's, it's not because you believe something is bad. It's because certain things are inherently contradictory. You, as I've said again and again, you want, you do something thinking that it'll make you happy, and it doesn't make you happy. You do something with a certain intention, with a certain intended goal, and that intended goal is not reached by that action, which is inherently contradictory. There's a problem, I think, in a very sort of objective sense. There's a uh, there's an inconsistency or a uh, lack of logic or reason um, that's inherent in in evil deeds. Point being, we do and say and think things, certain things that go counter to our own intentions, that that lead to results counter to our own intentions. Uh, by their very nature, now you can you can have good intentions, wanting to do something good for someone, and it doesn't work out. So that's not the point. But there are certain things that they themselves lead to the opposite, or or conduce to the opposite of one's intention. So we kill and steal and lie and cheat uh, it, it, intrinsically with the thought that 
it's going to bring us some benefit or ameliorate some disadvantage something bad is we're in a bad situation so we do good we do bad things to get out of a bad situation for example we hurt others now they're called bad in buddhism not because god or buddha or monks or teachers say they're bad but they're bad because it's a bad choice it's akusala unskillful um, inept it's something that doesn't lead to an, a solution and so you end up unhappy with the results uh, by by their very nature you know not just by chance or because your good plans are foiled but killing and stealing and lying and cheating and taking drugs and alcohol and even thinking bad thoughts of wanting to hurt others or thoughts of um, greed and so on thoughts of arrogance and conceit these things conduce to our suffering they conduce to uh, disruption of our plans anytime you incorporate these into a plan it, it can only go sour when you do something you have a good intention but then you get greedy about it or you get angry or frustrated or you become arrogant or conceited even if you're good you have good good plans to help yourself to help others the greed anger and delusion whether by body you, you do things to hurt others or to manipulate others or to oppress others you say things to hurt others you say things out of selfishness and so on or even you think things that are harmful and, and you, these things disturb your plans because of the results that they have with other people because of the effect they have on your mind because of the the disruption that they cause on so many levels and he says conversely that someone who has good thoughts someone whose mind is is uh, who does good bodily and verbal and mental actions whose body speech and mind are pure even if they were to say Wait a second. Oh no, okay. Even still, they would be dear to themselves. Why? Because what a dear one may do to one who is dear to them. They do that to themselves or for themselves. Tasma desangpiyata. For that reason, they are dear to themselves. I know here's the key. The Buddha repeats back what he says. And the Buddha does this. I mean, it's a, a critic or a skeptic would say it's probably just a way of, this was probably just added or, or manipulated uh, because you couldn't include the words of the king without having the Buddha repeat them. Otherwise, it would not be Buddha Vachana. So I don't know about that. But the text has it that the Buddha repeated what he said. 
doesn't really matter. The point is it's uh, a useful teaching, something proper to say. And it shows that the king, for all his faults, did have some good ideas from listening to the Buddha. And so we take wisdom wherever it is. Even the Buddha said, I agree when someone, when another teacher in another religion or another tradition says something that's right, I will agree with it. If they say something that's wrong, I will disagree with that. It's not, uh, this isn't sectarian. Wisdom doesn't know religions. Truth doesn't stay within one religion or another doesn't mean that everything every religion teaches is right. just means that the truth is not interested in such things. So anyway, the Buddha gives some verses sort of as a as a addition to this teaching. salabanghoti. <laughs> Sulabang hoti, sukang dukkatakarina. It is not easy, it is not easily gained happiness for one who does evil. There is a good Buddha quote. Nahitang sulabang hoti, sukang dukkatakarina. It is not easily, for indeed it is not easily done. It's not easily gained. Happiness for one who does evil deeds. Antake nadipannasa jahato manus sambhavang. When one is seized, I'll read Bhikkhu Bodhi's translation. When one is seized by the end maker, as one discards the human state, what can one truly call one's own? What does one take when one goes? What follows one along like a shadow that never departs? Hmm. So here's a question the Buddha often asks. What do we take with us? What follows along like a shadow that never departs? Which is a reference to the first Dhammapada verse, right? Or the second Dhammapada verse, actually. That our, our evil, good good and evil deeds follow or what follow us. Actually, no, that's not the verse. But they use the word, they, it's the imagery just of the shadow. But he uses this this idea of the shadow in other ways. And in this way, it's in other places. Chayawa anapahini, it's the same uh, anupahini, it's the same... Uh, the same wording as the second Dhammapada verse, but it's a different simile. This is talking about good deeds following us around. In the same way, good and evil deeds following us around. Ubo punyancha pa pancha yang macho kurute ida. Both good and evil, these uh, that a, that a mortal does right here, that a mortal does here. When the good and evil that we do here, tanhi tasa sakang hoti tancha adai adai 
this is uh, this is our own, right? This indeed is one's own. The good and the evil that young machu kurute ida. The good and evil that we do here, that indeed is is our own. Tancha adaya gacchati. That goes with us. That is what we take with us. That is what we carry with us. Tanchasa anuganghoti chayava anupayini. That follows after us, just like a shadow that never leaves. Tasma kareya kalyanang nichayang samparayikam punyani paralokas ming patikthahunti panyang. This is a verse, that, that part is a verse that we chant actually as part of a blessing when we give blessings. Tasma kareya kalyanang nichayang samparayikam. For that reason, one should do beautiful things. Nichayang samparayikam. The accumulation, an accumulation for uh, for the next world. Punyani parlokas ming petita hunti paninang. Good, good deeds in the next world are wood beings stand on, are a foundation of beings. As Bhikkhu Bodhi translates it, merits are the support for living beings when they arise in the other world. And that's, I mean, that's key for a comprehensive understanding because it is possible to do evil deeds and to be an evil person and still benefit in this world, but you're just adding to the burden that you carry around with you and it follows you. So it's important to understand that you know death isn't an escape. You don't get the carte blanche at death. When you die, it's not a clean slate. Suicide isn't the answer. Death isn't the answer. Death isn't the end. That's the point. Which is, you know, it, it, it extends the potency of karma. Because if karma is just in this life, well, there are ways of escaping it temporarily. And you can die without having to really pay back your karma. That's, I think, true. I mean, it's true, but I think that's obviously true. The question is whether you know it's actually uh, viable. And of course, Buddhism says it's not that death isn't the end. But anyway, relating it to our meditation practice because that's what we always try to do. It's there's an appreciation in Buddhism that you know, some people don't maybe appreciate that. You are your own best friend and you are your own worst enemy. No one can hurt us the way we do ourselves and no one can help us the way we do ourselves. And so the, the, there's two corollaries there. One is that uh, the importance of looking after yourself and 
and um, the, the supremacy of looking after yourself over looking after others. And the answer to the world's problems is not to help each other. It's just for everyone to help themselves. If you're going to help others, it should be to help them help themselves. If you help others trying to fix their problems, anyone who has ever tried to fix other people's problems knows that it's a, it's a wild goose chase. It's a never-ending battle. You end up being their dependency. And you never really fix anything. Because you can't fix other people. We can fix ourselves. We do much more for ourselves. And so this is where meditation fits in. Why meditation is so important. It's not betraying or, or abandoning others. It's uh, doing the right thing. And that everyone should do. And we should work to purify our body and our, our acts and our speech and our thoughts. It's the duty of all beings. We can't do that one thing. and become our worst enemy. We, we, we can never truly say that we care for ourselves. And the world will never be at peace. The world's not at peace because we don't do enough for others. The world's not at peace because no one does enough for themselves. Very few people do their duty to become stand-up uh, human beings. And so we got lots of problems inside. That's where the real problems are. That's one thing that religion understands. You can criticize religion all you want, but one thing it understands is that problems are inside our minds. And it's in our minds that we have to fix things. It's not in the world out there. It's not in the physical. It's not even in the brain. You can't fix things by medicating. You can't fix things by social work or psychology or whatever. You only fix them in your mind. The world, the physical world is not the answer. It doesn't work. And I think... Um, the evidence is there, whether it's ever been collected in a, in a modern scientific context. But, you know, of course, there have been some studies there. They're not all that impressive, but that's more a testament to the limitations of the modern scientific method and the limitations of, you know, funding and so on. But getting people to actually meditate in a study, but the evidence is is overwhelming that the benefits say of of any kind of physical solution to a simple mental solution meditation changes your life how many people have told me that they've their life has been changed through the meditation that are people i've never even met and it's not because of me or anything special i've done it's just the you know the meditation practice to see things clearly as they are of reminding yourself, this is this, it is what it is, it's nothing else. Constantly working to better yourself, to do right by yourself. This is, uh, this is a most powerful force. So, that's the Dhamma for tonight, and this is why we meditate, working on our one true task. So, supposed to hang out. You probably just start taking text questions again. Um, you know, 
no one's coming on the hangout so I mean it, it's a bit much to ask people to come on a live on the air hangout and ask their questions so it's just that um, you know the questions were piling up and they were backlogged and so on and a lot of them are questions that have already been answered and if anybody has any pressing questions and you don't want to come on the hangout you can text it there at meditation.sarimangalo.org All right, well, if there, oh, here we are, Tom. Oh, hi, Tom. You have a question for me? Yes, I do. Okay. You were talking about... Oh, wait just uh, a second. Um, I should make sure that this is working properly. Hmm. Yeah, okay, go ahead. Yes. Um, Last night you were talking about the uh, the peace. Well, I'll call it the peace movement. I don't remember the, the exact name. And um, I'm an American. Uh, I became a young adult uh, when the Vietnam War was just really ramping up. Um, I've had a lot of difficulty dealing with the actions of our government over the dec decades and you know to anybody who's paying attention it's obviously getting worse and worse not better uh, so I have a lot of personal difficulty dealing with the activities that are going on in the world mainly our involvement in military actions around the globe and what the repercussions have been and mm -hmm. this this has a great deal of uh it has it has a, a major impact on me personally um so i just wanted your perspective on that please well recalling what i said last night about you're, you're talking about how the trouble maybe i was having conflict or the way they looked at peace as opposed to how I looked at peace that kind of thing is that what I was you're referring to well it, just that you you mentioned uh, I guess you've you're active in a group at the university there mm -hmm. uh, that's trying to bring about a more peaceful world or whatever right and to me, it's it's not really that in particular. It's just to me right now, I don't want to say it seems hopeless, but we seem to be 
on a trajectory that is getting us, the U.S., and the world into a deeper and deeper state of conflict. Mm -hmm. And this has been something that I've looked at since I was a young man. And uh, I just feel like it's completely out of hand. And I feel that uh, things could easily get, I mean, it could get very bad. Mm. Everybody knows what the capacity is of, of humans to make war on one another. So anyway, my point is very specifically, because it's, I'll call it an obsession of mine, how do I deal with that? Or how does anybody deal with that when you live in a time and a place where uh, you can easily become overwhelmed with with um, the activities of our political leaders and so on. Michael, you can go. You don't have to stay here. Um, well, there's lots of sort of important points to keep in mind. The first is that the human race is doomed. I don't think there's anyone who doubts the fact that eventually it's going to be wiped out in a blaze of fire or, or, or whatnot. Um, or, or even just more generally, cha everything changes. There's no solution besides you know, relief from samsara, which is individual. Um, and the second thing is the... So that's about the futility of, of the ultimate futility of making that a goal, you know, making the you know, peace on earth or, or so on a goal. Um, but the other part is the, the, the actual, again, it, it comes down to what is leading to your goals and what is actually counterproductive. So obsession and, and frustration and depression and despair. I mean, Bernie Sanders said something. Um, uh, he said, "Don't don't go into that pit of despair," which I think was. Uh, you know, he's he's really he's been around for a long time and on the right side of things for a long time and met with interesting people. He's really got an interesting perspective. Would, would call it's a lot like Pasenadi, I think. One of these guys who, well, we wouldn't say he's uh, pure by Buddhist standards, but he's a really good sort of politician with a, with a wise mind. I mean, it seems anyway. So, um, yeah, negative emotions are. are not only futile in the sense like why are you worrying about something that's in the end never going to be a solution but uh, also actually detrimental and so it's important on the one hand to think of always think in terms of your spirituality but um, on the other hand to be aware of how your civic duty and good, 
good, good deeds towards your fellow human beings are actually supportive of spirituality and so therefore are important. But you've got to understand how do you affect real change and, and benefit, beneficence in the world. It's not by obsession or frustration or depression or, or getting angry about things isn't, isn't useful. So well, there's some, some sort of perspective, I think. You know, obviously, meditation is important, staying mindful. And, but but another another important point is, you know, which I kind of said already, is um, I think there is room for civic duty and an importance for lay people to to undertake their civic duty. Now, I kind of made a remark that that may have sounded like I I was uh, condescending or or disparaging of of worldly peace work, but I'm not. I really think it's awesome that people are working. In a in a worldly way to bring about peace. Of course, it's I would I would argue that it's inferior to you know meditation, but uh, you could also say it's an important part of spiritual practice. But it's not for monks. Is really the point. As a monk, I have some problems getting too involved with you know, worldly peace or world peace. I have limits personally that you shouldn't take as a model unless you're looking to become monastic because I think non-monastics have uh, have certain civic duties that you could argue they they should take seriously does that help? I'd like to say yes <laughs> I contemplate all of these things I I just I just really need to shut it out uh, and but since you brought up the, you know, because I, I look at uh, peace activity in a, at a university is um, to be expected. I, I was both in the service and at a university in the late 60s and early 70s. And uh, look where it got us. So, but, but thank you. I, I appreciate your thoughts on that. And I'll let you go. Oh, nice to talk to you. I guess that's all for tonight then. See you all next time. <laughs>